This podcast is for general informational purposes only and represents the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graff, Dr. Suzanne Mignon, and the guests. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional healthcare services and should not be taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Please don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe, but more importantly leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Reviews not only help us grow listeners, but also help us grow as a show, improve our content, and make us better. already in set to discuss the Dolphins game and what happened in the Dolphins game to open this up. And then the Iron Bowl happened yesterday. And now it's like, now I need to know, who do you feel worse for? Do you feel worse for Tim Boyle, who gets finally his opportunity on a team that's flailing and gets a pick six by his defense, gets a turnover? at the end of the half, is ready to go in, at least maybe tie the game, and then that thing happens at the end of the half? Or do you feel worse for DJ James Jr. for flubbing fourth and a mile and a half in probably his biggest game that he'll ever play in his entire life? Who do you feel worse for? I felt really bad for for Tim Burrell, to be honest with you. Yeah. you know, For somebody that had a chance to to say I'm the new quarterback, you know, you you had the entire season to prove your point. That was a godsend. I mean, you know, I don't I don't celebrate injuries, but for for his career, you know, um, Rogers' injury was like a godsend to him. You know, so he's a guy that had a chance to actually take the, the throne and did that. Not Zach, not Zach Wilson, the guy backing up Zach Wilson. Yes. Well, backing Zach, right, right, right. The so to, yes. to move up the ladder, to move up the ladder. You know, um, he had a chance, and that that throw was. Ill advised. I'm not sure if he was uh, the play. It was, it was a it was a hail mary. It was a hail mary. Everybody <laughs> a, knew the hail mary was coming. It was a bad idea. I don't know if it was his idea or the coach's idea, but that was a bad idea. For the Jets, it was. Uh, I think okay. it worked out just fine. Here, look, the way I see it is, he had no choice. It was a hail mary. He had to toss it. Three things happen on hail marys. One, it's caught for a miracle and a touchdown. Two, it's knocked down and it's incomplete. And three, it's intercepted. Mm -hmm. Like some guys intercepted and they like fall down because, you know, whatever. It usually happens at the end of the half or the end of the game. This case where it was not just intercepted, but run back 99 yards. I don't think I've ever seen that in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I'm sure it's happened. I've just never seen it. And to go in thinking, well, we can at least get a field goal and tie the game. And then that happens. Mm Mm-hmm. Your your pick six is erased within mm-hmm. four minutes mm-hmm. by a, by by one of the most improbable things. But I'm gonna say I feel worse for the Auburn defensive back because it's fourth and thirty one. It's fourth and goal from the thirty one. That play never works. It, it's just a regular it was a regular play. And and I'm gonna blame 
I'm going to blame the coaches the coach, in both right. cases, but I'm going to blame them more at Auburn because you can't rush three players and let a quarterback like that just stand there for 10 seconds. Right. And it's college football. The coaches play the play in college football. You know, they call the plays. But imagine how bad this kid feels. There's video of like the Auburn sideline after the game ended and they're just throwing helmets and this guy's crying. And these are still college kids. That's why I feel worse for him, you know, but he was let down by his coaches. He blew it and he must be, I don't know if he can even go to class. They must, they should just let him like ride out the semester. Don't worry about finals. Don't worry about it. You're good. Don't worry about college. Don't worry about anything. You're 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 done with screwed up. We feel bad for you. You don't have yeah. to do anything anymore. That's right. I don't think that's yeah. gonna fly, but okay. You you screwed this up royally. We lost the biggest game of the year because Alabama the Iron Bowl for both teams. I mean maybe for now not for Alabama, because they have loftier goals now. Um, but for Auburn, like this this they were six and five or something. Mm-hmm. And their season's over. This is this was their Super Bowl. Yeah. And they lost on a fourth and 30. <laughs> and it wasn't even a Hail Mary. Like, at least Hail Marys, like, happen. Luck happens. But this was like a regular play. They were just running around in the end zone. And he just tossed it up. <laughs> it's just it's oh. awful. But the other one I, I feel, feel bad for is our Dolphins player, Jalen Phillips. Th- th- that field is the worst. Mm-hmm. That's the second kill. I think that's the third Achilles this year on that This field. year, yeah. Aaron Rodgers was the first. And and Woody Johnson's out here like talking about the last time the Dolphins were in New York. Did you see that tweet? No. Before the game started, he tweeted out, this was the last time the Dolphins were in the medical oh. land. And it was a video of like last year's game where like Skylar Thompson was playing because Teddy Bridgewater got mm-hmm. hurt in that game. And he was showing clips of them like sacking Skylar Thompson. It's like, it's a really weird flex, Woody Johnson, that you're like, you guys won out against our third string team and like, Every everybody was injured, but yeah, okay. But your field is good. Field is good. The healthcare horror side of the week is really catching on here. People seem to be gravitating to it, so. Let's do it as we usually do. America has the greatest health care in the world. Deductibles, drug tears, PAs, and copay. But you can get an MRI today for the low price of just 2K. America, yay! All right. The stat. From the Policy Center for Maternal Mental Health, 96% of birthing-aged American women live in maternal mental health professional shortage areas. 70% of U.S. counties lack sufficient maternal mental health resources. Nearly 700 counties face a high risk for maternal mental health disorders. Over 150 counties fall into the maternal mental health dark zone with both high risk and large resource gaps. Texas, Michigan, Tennessee, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Indiana are the top six states in the maternal mental health dark zone. So why do we suck at maternal mental health in the richest country in the world? Oh, I, I don't know, but I, you know, not even having done the research, 
you could take it so many directions. You could say there's no, uh, there's no aid, there's no enough uh, uh, leave for motherhood, maternal leave. There's not enough, you know, healthcare for for newborns is very expensive. Maybe they got it so many different directions that affect motherhood. You know, I, mean, I one know. One of the biggest things I think that we talk about is maternal leave, and. Right. You know, not every person is lucky to be able to take leave when their child is born. They have to burn through their vacation time, their sick days, whatever it is. Um, it, it's, you know, where they can take the family, the FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act, where they get 12 weeks, but it's unpaid. No. Can you afford to go 12 weeks unpaid with a newborn? Yeah. Yeah. It's decisions that uh, that parents have to make all the time, and especially um, if there's a single mother out there that doesn't have a lot of support or help around her, it's going to be more difficult for her too. Yeah, I think Canada has a has an amazing. I forgot what it was if it's three months or six months, but regardless, they do get paid leave, and father the father also get um, you know leave so they can help when the mother goes to work. So you know it's not only the the, the mother, but both parents need some leave to to help. I'm looking at it. It says Canada is 15 weeks, so that's not terrible. It's better than ours. Yeah. Nothing bad. It says it's three, it's three I months. I think Canada it's more than three months. It's paid leave, correct? It's paid leave. Plus, they give the father also some leave so they can help. So the father can be helpful. You know, it's one thing you get you get you get leave, but you by yourself in the home. You know, um, it can be easy. I know. You know, Suzanne, you went through it. You know, it, it can be easy. Sure. For instance, like Finland is three and a half months but it begins 50 working days before the due date so it's almost like an extra month before and then after yeah what um, is it? i see 35 weeks oh according to the canadian 35 weeks website. oh my god what was the 35 yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's well hold on it's like different it's a max, there's some places that standard fraternal benefits can be paid for a maximum of 35 weeks and must be claimed within a 52 week period after the week the child was born or placed for adoption. They get a weekly benefit rate of 55% of the claimant's average weekly insurable earnings up to a maximum amount. And both parents can share these 35 weeks of standard paternal benefits and then they have extended benefits that can be paid for a maximum of 61 weeks um, that pay at the rate of 33 percent of their average earnings um, it's not just you know um, going home and bonding yeah. with your your child that you need that time for but postpartum depression rates are going up they've gone up from 9.4 percent mm -hmm. in 2010 to 19.3 two they years are. ago uh, in 2021 and many times you know these women are being written off as just being hormonal yeah well you know it was the pregnancy hormone that's it it's sleeping your body this is what it is you're just being hormonal when in fact we know that postpartum depression is something that's very real there's actually treatment for mm -hmm. it now specifically but it, it relates to treatment resistant depression which often postpartum depression becomes we always tell our patients we've got to stop gender we always tell them that sleep is is very important for mood disorders, right? Mothers don't really sleep if you think about it, right? They the, the sleep cycle is so disrupted. If they get three hours in a row, it's maybe it's, you're the lucky, 
right? So what would be the difference telling your patients every single time you need to sleep? And then when it comes to mothers, we turn a blind eye. Oh, it's like you said, it's, it's hormonal. Like you have to go through it. You know, there, there's a reason why um, people go through, women go through postpartum depression and even sometimes postpartum psychosis. Um, because it's, you know, sleep can be the, the trigger, lack of sleep, should I say, could be a trigger for any other mood disorders, even psychotic disorders. You know, and I think one of the biggest pieces of advice that women who have babies get is, oh, sleep when the baby sleeps. Um, yeah. For anyone who's had kids, you know that many times that's not possible, especially if you have other kids. It's not realistic. As someone who's had multiple And it's not often any solution. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't work. But that's why Doesn't that's work. why they need help. That's why the, the paternal leave is very important because if there's somebody else in the house, mother could sleep and not worry about the, the child getting taken care of. But if they're taking leave and they're by themselves in the home, well, they're just gonna work you know, when they're awake and they won't sleep much. So you're just gonna give them more time to get stressed out, more time to work on the baby, more time to, to get depressed and, and stressed out. So, you know, it, it's, it's... I will point out one thing for to defend the fathers that are here and listening, we don't we don't sleep a lot either. Because if the baby starts screaming, we're gonna wake up too. But you know, we can pretend that we're sleeping. You know, <laughs> like there's been a few times where you know the baby or the children have woken up, and I've happened to wake up. But you get snoring just went back to sleep and then Maria came back into the room and was like, did you hear the baby? And I'm like, the baby? What baby? I don't, I didn't hear anything, honey. I'm so happy you, your <laughs> hearing is so much better than mine. <laughs> yeah, look, look, I'm tired too, you know. We're going to talk about ketamine and the reason we're bringing this up is because there's a clip that came out. I don't know how recently it came out. It's not super recent, but it was what well, within the last month, I think at yeah. least. Wait, maybe. Um, it's Dan Levitard who has not been shy about discussing, you know, He's therapy and, and mm -hmm. depression and stuff. So he mentioned ketamine and that he did. Uh, ketamine treatment, he did it IV, and what it's like to be on ketamine or get treated by ketamine. And so this is what he had to say about that. This is from the Dan Levitard show with Stugatz. You're somebody who intellectualizes everything and thinks too much and you think you control things. I don't know what all of that was except an exploration that my brother his entire life spent asking me to be brave enough to partake in, which is just go outside your comfort zone and go do things that you don't understand and feel big things and live giant things. If you'd told me at any point in my life that I'd be telling you guys, never mind that I'd done it, that I would be admitting in front of people that I took a horse tranquilizer in order 
order to alter my brain chemistry, I would have told you I don't know that person. That's not the person I am. I'm too scared to do yes, those things. Yes, I'm too yes, scared yes. to do ayahuasca. I'm too risk averse to do those things. But my brother was always pushing me. And I'm here to speak to the benefits of it only because it loosened me up a little. It is being at the center of what is my greatest fear psychologically, right? I wasn't consciously thinking about death and mortality, but my greatest fear would be dying and all the love that I have around me is now gone. To be somewhere in the feeling of that and trying to have a drug aid you into, you can be fearless here around this, your greatest fear. I don't know if that keeps, right? Like for that moment, it felt real. It might have been a high and I walk out wobbly. I need a wheelchair to get out of the room, mm. but I'm trying to hold on to the lessons of it. If it's not spiritually meaningful, it's somewhere in the realm. Whatever it is that we're talking about here is something close to making me feel better about living than I did before doing it. Here are the questions that I want to answer after listening to that is what is ketamine? What is it used for in general? And what is it used for in psychiatry? What is it FDA approved for? What's the difference between intranasal ketamine, which is Spravato, and IV generic ketamine, which is what Dan did? Does it work? In other words, is it efficacious for what it says it's supposed to do? And does the intranasal and intravenous work differently? And I know that sounds like a mouthful, but the answers are actually pretty straightforward. Right. I mean, we know ketamine is an opioid, right? It's one of the opioid um, that people can hear about. Um, but I, I'm sure the lay, the layman people or people that are really not involved in science or research don't really see ketamine as a as an option for antidepressant. But it's been used um, for years. Primary use is in a in a OR, in an operating room where anesthesiologists can see it, can use it to induct, um, you know, uh, anesthesia. Um, and then a few years past, um, we've had some studies or some people reporting um, effect in, on, on depression. I think the first time I've ever heard of ketamine using in mental health was not even depression. It was um, acute suicidality. I'm not sure if you guys remember, maybe five, 10 years ago, the studies were more um, focused on acute uh, um, treatment for suicidal ideation that you know, in our world, Usually uh, we talk about lithium or, or ECT, but ketamine has been the one that started um, with the whole ketamine as, as antidepressant um, uh, use. And it's primarily for treatment-resistant depression. Right, right. When other things haven't worked. That's what it's approved for. And, and intranasal ketamine, Spravato, is the only approved FDA treatment ketamine. But before I do that, I'm going to, I'm going to point out that ketamine is a schedule three drug and it's considered, uh, I don't know, a dissociative and anestic, I guess. Mm -hmm. that, I don't know if that's even a class, but that's what it's considered. Right. It started out in the sixties um, when these organic chemists realized it was a really good analgesic. It actually started before that. It started in the fifties with a different type of compound called the uh, fencyclidine, but it was too powerful. So they sort of dialed it back and created ketamine. And ketamine generic is a, a racemic mixture of two different molecules, the R-ketamine and the S-ketamine. And so that's the IV ketamine that you get. The intranasal one, the Spravato, is just S the S-ketamine. And there's conflicting reports based on what I looked at to say which one works better than the other. As far as I can tell, 
they both work and they both have a similar side effect profile. Some places say that the S-ketamine has less side effects. Some say the right, the R-ketamine has less side effects and that the mixture, the R and the S together in the generic IV ketamine has less side effects than both of those alone. Mm-hmm. So it seems like whatever it is that those side effects are, they're not that bad, uh, no matter which formulation you get. Right. I think what I'm used I'm under a doctor's care. Right. Well, yeah, you're not going to put an IV in <laughs> right. on your unless you unless you're really good at it. Well, Where would you even get it? You know. Right. But you Where know that you there's a lot of ketamine? these ketamine clinics that are popping up. Right. Cash pay. I was Correct. Cash pay. Cash pay. One thing is important to to actually underline all these studies. All these studies actually they make the 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 point that the population is studied. The the let's say the target population is studied. If it moderate depression with resistant depression. They made the distinction that these people had um, severe depression without psychotic features, no psychosis. Correct. The reason Correct. being is that ketamine can cause, like you mentioned earlier, dissociation that could look like a, a you know a high, if you if you will. But that's exactly what it is. It's, it's psychosis. People think of psychosis of quote unquote going crazy, but a psychotic episode could be dissociative. Right? You don't know what what you're doing. You don't know what you know why you're walking and. That's why they say when you get IV ketamine, even as ketamine um, treatment, you should be supervised. You cannot just go walk in a clinic, get an IV infusion, or get an intranasal spray and walk out in, in five minutes. You actually have to be monitored because of the behavior you could have after that. So, and it can also produce hallucinations as well. Right. Correct. Right. Right. The thing about it is that the IV ketamine, you're it's completely off label, and it's com- it's not. The FDA doesn't regulate it. So mm-hmm. you could go get your IV and then walk out the front door. Uh, a good doctor wouldn't allow that, but it can. It, you can do it. Whereas the S-ketamine, the Spravato, the FDA requires you to sit there Stay, sit for there. two hours under supervision because of the effects. And, you know, mm-hmm. when we say it's the Spravato, what it's approved for, it's approved for, as, as Suzanne said, treatment-resistant depression with suicidality mm-hmm. so it's not just treatment resistant depression it's treatment resistant depression also with suicidality because as you pointed out Steph, lithium used to be that drug but mm-hmm. lithium is an awful awful medication i don't know what your opinion on it is okay. and i know look i have people that take lithium they're my patients i monitor them but lithium to me and i tell this to my patients that i have lithium or ask for it i tell them look the quicker we can get you off of this thing and find something that can do the yes. mood stabilization with yes. better effects, the the better because lithium just ruins people. Lithium should be. I mean, that's a different conversation, but lithium should be a bridge. You shouldn't be on lithium lifetime because if you're on lithium lifetime, you'd have yeah. other issues. We can have an, a, a segment on that later. Yeah, on, yeah but, a segment on lithium. But, right. But but ketamine, ketamine, and this surprised me when I actually did the research because my understanding of it was that. It's for treatment-resistant depression. It it works in the moment, but it's not it's not a cure-all. It's not a fix. Right. You it have covers. to keep repeating it. Yes. In the short term, it helps. Right. right. The efficacy really surprised me. The, I didn't think that it was that effective. IV ketamine. Both. Oh, yeah. Both of them. Um, you the, know, this, but like you know, it it's not like like I said, it's not a cure. So you have cure. to keep getting it. 
You I was going to get to it. that. There's, there's, yeah. a, there's a question of durability, right? Or it's effective, yes, but how is the, what's the rate of the remission you know, of, of depression? And most studies I've read out there, they are really effective, you know, acutely. You know, people feel Correct. well, very, very rapidly. That's why it, it was primarily used for acute suicidal ideation. Is it part of the dissociation? Maybe. I cannot I cannot say for sure that it's because you dissociate. Maybe you don't remember why you're depressed or you don't remember your symptoms and you feel immediately better. Maybe. But it's it's not lasting. It's not like you said, it's not treatment for depression. Right. So that, that's where I think the, the studies need to go further. How long do you have to be on, on ketamine treatment or how how, you know, how long it lasts in the remission? Right. How long you could be free of, of symptoms that we don't. Well, know. it looks like what I read was that the ketamine remission is similar to antidepressants. So it may work more rapidly with a little bit more. The side effects are similar, but worse. So like you'll get the dizziness and the nausea. Um, and the increase in body temperature, which you will get with any serotonin agent, but mm -hmm. there's the dissociation, the confusion, the it's it's a psychotic episode, like, like Susan mentioned. Yeah. Uh, they, they've, had, they've had people that actually ran out of the office in, in, in acute psychosis. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean look, it, <laughs> it happens. It happens with you know any drug can cause like really weird stuff, but ketamine is in that is in that area of you're you're pretty severe to get into that now there we talked about hallucinogens six months ago or something like that mm -hmm. and how they're on the way so psilocybin i think is very close to getting itself through the fda approval process they're studying mdma now um but these are things that people have been taking for forever yeah. And, and people have been they abusing know. it forever. We know that there's well, logical yes. dependency ketamine and other things as well. Correct. We have to talk about that aspect too. Yeah. Right. You can abuse these drugs. That's fine. But they they do have benefit. I think the 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 bad part about all this is that the FDA and the government have done this crackdown on drugs and the just say no thing and all that. And they've limited the amount of research that you can do on mm -hmm, these drugs mm -hmm. and i'm not a huge fan of limiting research on anything i think you should be allowed to research, right, research. anything yeah. as, as far as benefit it, let it stand on its own it's not the government's job to tell us what is and isn't right for us we should be able to find that out on our own through, well, what, through scientific research i guess what, what we know for now is that the, clearly there is benefit now are we able to regulate enough so we can safely um, approve it as the FDA's job? You know, we mentioned earlier that ketamine is, is being studied for treatment-resistant depression. Before ketamine, the only treatment that we've had for these kind of uh, uh, problem disorders is ECT, right? And, yeah. I, and I did, we'll have another episode on ECT for sure. We have to, but I'll just make a parenthesis here. There's a study that I've read. Um, it's called the, the ELECT-D study, and they... You know, they they studied ketamine use versus ECT to see how what's the difference in e efficacy, right? And for treatment resistant depression, and what they found out was um, that about one in three patients, you know, that had depression would have treatment resistant depression. So they they did two groups. They had a group that received um, ECT and a group that received ketamine. And in the study, what they what they you know described was that which is what makes sense. ECT is not really available to everyone. 
you know, you might be in a city or even a state that doesn't have any hospital that gives you ECT. Where I'm working, I have to send people out to get ECT. So it's not readily available. So ketamine now is being considered as an accessible option for treatment with depression. And the, the result were that, um, you know, patient with severe depression without psychosis, um, they were followed for six months after, after the, the, the study. And they found out that, you know, at three weeks, 55% of the patient that received ketamine versus 41% of those that had ECT, um, they had the same efficacy. I mean, they were equal. There was no superiority or inferiority between both, uh, both group. So you can you can maybe infer that ketamine was probably um, had a better uh, a response uh, for depression. But um, they made a good point of pointing out the limitation of the study is that people that went through ECT in that group they were a higher rate of dropout for you know obviously for the reason around ECT that the the logistical construct of ECT you have to get in the hospital or outpatient you have to go under anesthesia you have to get it three times a week versus ketamine usually it's twice a week and you don't have to go in through uh, anesthesia under anesthesia to do it. So there was more people dropping out of the study in the ECC group versus ketamine. So ketamine by, you know, you know, by default had a higher rate of response and the better efficacy in that study. So we can't really say which one's better, but what we can definitely say is that ketamine seems to be more accessible and maybe there will be more adherence to the treatment versus ECT, right? So that's what my point is. If something have benefit, why limit it? You know, you might not right. know exactly what's going on, but not everybody can get access to ECT. It's very expensive. You know, you have to, if you're in a hospital, you have to pay the entire or team, the entire anesthesia team, and you're paying a lot of money if you don't have insurance, you know, thousands, thousands of dollars. Whereas Avicadami might not cost that much and might be readily accessible. And it might even be cheaper than intranasal ketamine. What they, what I, what I read today was that even with the IV, even with the, with the nurse that needs to install and, 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 Wow, I can't speak. Maybe I need some ketamine right now. Um, <laughs> the the IV nurse, uh, the medication itself, and the monitoring—all of that in consideration—is still maybe cheaper than intranasal spravato because spravato was so expensive. The actual drug itself is so expensive mm -hmm. compared to generic ketamine mm -hmm. that even with the le I guess the less amount of things you need surrounding an intranasal is really you need a room and a person sitting there with them. It's still more expensive. And today I just read something that ketamine was studied for anxiety. And yeah. the conclusion of that study was that uh, acute, subacute, and sustained anxiety. So acute is less than 24, uh, 12 hours, subacute is 24 hours, and sustained is 7 to 14 days. All three of those measures, ketamine decreased anxiety. So this may not just stay with treatment-resistant depression. This may be something for anxiety too. They've also looked at it for post-traumatic stress disorder as well. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is a, a pretty good option uh, for people that are having severe problems that antidepressants can't fix. Mm -hmm. or that haven't been able to touch mm -hmm. them or or some people just can't take antidepressants because mm -hmm. of whatever the reason but uh su it surprised me with the robust amount of evidence for efficacy the, the good news about ketamine is that it's been used forever for anesthesia the drug itself is is, is already researched now is it is there enough research to approve it for depression i'm sure we're going to get there 
but it's not those kind of studies or drugs that is just just like maybe cannabis that is just being studied. Cannabis has been used years. So we, we know the drug itself is safe. We know that much. Now, there's going to be issue with regulation. There's going to be issue to prevent, you know, addiction or substance use disorder with, you know, cannabis because you can say you're depressed because the thing is in depression, the symptoms, sometimes you may be able to fake, to fake it. People might fake being depressed or use cannabis. So that's going to be a different part of the of the problem but the yeah the thing is that you can use ketamine because it, you know it's yeah, showing that it's a quick effect if you're gonna if you're gonna fake the pressure symptoms just to get ketamine intranasal or iv Which i don't think you're gonna get the high you're looking for right and you it's you know. it's different than people who are using other drugs they're not going to be going and paying the clinic every time exactly. to go and then stay supervised under time or whatever. Exactly. I think okay. it's a bit it's... of a different scenario, but you do have, yeah. you know, I foresee likely we'll have that issue like there was mm -hmm. with the pain clinics because mm -hmm. these ketamine clinics are popping up everywhere. And one of the research that was done by someone from Harvard suggested that some were more legit than others as with anything, you right. know, it's right. a business. And I, and I really, I really have patients that I see or that I used to see when I had an office they are very stable. They are very stable. You know, I'm seeing them every three months. I'm not, I'm not making any change of medication, but they tell me that they go, they travel to California, they go to New York because they're going to get an infusion. Yeah. It's kind of like a lifestyle. You know, yeah, they have the, they have the cash at hands, yeah. you know, it's kind of like a yeah, ritzy kind of lifestyle. I'm going to get, I'm going to get high this weekend, but my depression is fine. I, I, I'm going to get high in a clinic with a doctor standing. This is a fantastic high. I'm because get. they have a diagnosis of depression <laughs> and they have the diagnosis of depression, but they're in remission. Now, yeah. are they remission because they're using ketamine? I don't know. That I can't I can so tell. The, the last thing I want to ask you, Suzanne, would you do individual therapy under ketamine or psilocybin or anything like that? If they provide informed consent prior to being under the effects of it, I don't see that there's much of an issue. But you are dealing with someone then in an altered state of consciousness. That's right. That becomes an ethical concern. You know, are really? we practicing? Well, what about well, hypnosis? Exactly, right? But the state regulates hypnosis as well. So everything is fairly regulated. Really? Okay. So let's say let's say psilocybin was approved by the FDA for depression and they went and they took their morning dose of psilocybin and decided to have their 10 a.m. appointment for cbt with you and they came in and they're just feeling great they're feeling wonderful right i think if it's part of the treatment plan and there is informed consent i think that you can target certain symptoms when a person is in a more relaxed state if they're just coming to me high and it's not part of the treatment plan um, I think that that's more of an ethical issue at that point. And how would you call that out? Same way I've called my patients out at times. I'm like, are you high? Are you drunk? Yeah. I don't think I don't think we're going to be meeting today. You know, you have to cover it that way. That's fair. That's fair. Fair enough. All right, Suzanne with the hammer. Boom. <laughs> yeah. The hammer. <laughs> Mental health tip of the daytime, 
Let's do this. Let's do it. Day full of hiccups? Need a shake-up? Listen up. It's the Psych Effect Podcast Mental Health Tip of the Day. And our mental health tip of the day today is a holiday tip from Suzanne. Take it away, Suzanne, with our holiday Thanksgiving. With our holiday Thanksgiving, we are thankful for everything, right? We had all that going on. Everybody probably ate too much food or not. Mm -hmm. You're like me. Oh, yeah. I don't care for turkey. But anyway. um, I don't care either, but I eat it because it's Yeah. So um, I'm sure a lot of you have been seeing all the sales. We have Black Friday tomorrow. We have Cyber Monday coming up. All of these things, and you're going to get notifications on your phone. You're going to get emails, especially from Amazon. I've gotten about ten of those today. Um, I disabled all my notifications. Oh, oh um, that, that's the mental health tip. This is about yes, your, your This is our mental health tip. We don't want you to succumb to the pressure of these sales that appear to be sales when they're oh, not. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Black Friday it- is not what it was. Um, Cyber Monday is just an extension of that when, in all honesty, you could have gotten the same prices on these things a few weeks ago as well. And these prices will continue. So Uh this is more of a buyer beware. Don't overspend. Don't put yourself in a hole because you can't miss out on the sale and your phone and your emails are telling you otherwise. Um, Be smart about it. Of course, is this is going to come out the day after Black, uh, the day after yeah, Cyber well, Monday. The, the, yeah, well, the sales too. continue because then you yeah. have Cyber Tuesday for travel. All of these things. Is it is it what they do? Like they 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 double the price and they put a hundred percent or fifty percent down, so it in ends up being the same cases, price it was a month ago. In many ago. cases, the prices were raised and it shows that they're lower, um, or it's the same sales that were happening two weeks ago. You don't know how many things I bought. You, yeah, Friday. You, you, sound like you, you sound like you've been played. You sound I have like no idea. It's I was on my Amazon app for hours. I'm like, I'm going through all of them. I'm like, what category do I need? I got so many things. <laughs> they got you, man. They got you good. They, they got, got me. <laughs> they got me bad. <laughs> you know what's gonna be really bad is when I look like in two or three months and see the price of the things that I got and see that they're the same or lower i'm gonna be pissed Mm -hmm. it's but but in fairness a few of those things were actually necessary so i waited on purpose till friday and saturday to buy them because i like looking at the the percentage off like oh look it's 45 percent so did did you feel like you had a good day like you had a bunch of good deal you feel good about yourself like i I thought i thought great yeah and now suzanne has ruined my good time yeah i have that's my time why do you why do you do that you are actively playing defense against my life you can summarize it the mental health of the day is do not be like dimitri yes yes think about your purchases do you really need this or can you wait another week or can you wait until after the holidays to buy it when everything goes down in price anyway? Well, great. Now I feel worse for me <laughs> than I did for the DB from Auburn. DJ <laughs> James Jr., you have been one-upped. Now I'm the scapegoat of everything in my family. So anyway, uh, thanks everyone. Follow us, like us, please. <laughs> <laughs> Make him feel better, please. Oh. Take pity on Dimitri. 
follow, <laughs> like, subscribe. We're on everything. We're on YouTube, TikTok. The year, the year's almost Facebook, over, but we have, Instagram. we do have a few guests. We have a couple of guests Twitter. coming before the end of the year, right? We hope so. Yeah, that's, that's an entirely different discussion as far as guest booking and the way that works out. We're going to uh, have Maybe people, we'll do that. We'll have maybe we'll do that. Uh, we'll close the year in time. a good fashion. Yes, we will. And uh, we will see you uh, next week. Yep. People, thank you very much for right. listening. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. The previous podcast is for general informational purposes only and represented the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graff, Dr. Suzanne Mignon, and the guests. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional healthcare services and should not be taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.